You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Welcome. I'm Fred Long and I'm with Michael Halcombe and you're listening to Proof Text, a podcast devoted to scripture, life, and theology. And we're exploring in this episode and set of episodes, God's will. But I want to just ask Michael, how is he doing? How are you doing, Michael? Yeah, doing well. Um, things are good here and uh, glad to be recording another episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for meeting Fred. Yeah, Michael, it's great to be with you. It's always so fun. I, I feel like I learn a lot uh, from mm-hmm. you and in thinking out loud. I'm, I'm a verbal processor. We've talked about God's will now a couple different times in terms of this, this set of podcasts. And we've, Michael got us thinking about God's will and different aspects of God's will, his sustaining, sustained, and salvific, which has a nice ring to it. I like to think of it in terms of, of God's creational will, like what he was intending with creation. And mm-hmm. then uh, maybe consequences of of his uh, of life that is lived when when humans rebel against God that there's some mm. consequences and we face those and then we could talk about a I mean I think we agree that there's a salvific will of God like broadly conceived mm-hmm. yeah and I might break that out into also like a, a a culminative will, like what God is Definitely. in the yeah. end going to bring about. And of course that could be, Michael would, I think, argue that that's really part of salvific, God's salvific will. Yeah. But regardless of these terms, we're trying to get a handle of how do we understand God's will? And there's a lot yet to be discussed. We're just like laying some of the, the groundwork. Part of when I conceive of God's will, I think it's, it may be helpful to think of it in terms of time. Over the, over the past passage of time, mm-hmm. and we could think of what God was intending in pre-creation, like before He even created. What was God wanting out of the creation? And I'd like to focus on that today. Then we can mm-hmm. talk about historic will as He was working with uh, with different people in in history, time, and space that culminated in Jesus, the, the sending of His Son. And, and setting up that covenant. And then in the aftermath of that, we have our present time. What is God seeking and wanting right now? And then we could think about future in the, the, the far future, near future, coming yeah. future. What is God after? What is he hoping to accomplish then? So in this this episode, I'd, I'd like to at least begin by thinking about what is God, what was God intending from the very start? Mm. What was he wanting when he even created the world as we know it? And uh, I would suggest that he was wanting to share life. Uh, he mm. wanted to share love, that God is eternally in fellowship with God's self, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as we've come to articulate it. So God is this triune person, uh, this triune set of persons that are in that are unified, that existed from before the the world began. So there's this eternal fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then God 
wants to share, share mm. uh, relationship, share life, and uh, create love. Mm. And this creation wasn't out of necessity. Like God wasn't compulsed to do it because he just had to, but freely he wants to. And so I'd begin to maybe begin thinking about uh, God's intended will in that larger framework of relationship, sharing, life sharing, and love sharing, and, and goodness sharing, that, that all this would be for benefit, goodness, and, and maybe even beauty, that there's an aspect of, of what God has created that is, uh, that there's a sense of beauty that needs to be appreciated that God loves beauty, he loves diversity, he loves color and diverse sounds and shapes, uh, and that this is a part of his created will, that these things be good and be appreciated. What are your thoughts, Michael? Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, interesting. I, this this might sound a little circular, given that we're, we're doing podcasts on God's will, but the, am I right? The question was, what was God's original intention? Is that how you frame yeah, it? Yeah, intention in creation as much as we can conceive of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that God's original intention was to create, create, mm people mm -hmm. and a creation mm -hmm. who would do his will <laughs> so that, that again that sounds a little circular but i think that was the intention to create people who would do his will and so he created us for for that to happen genuinely he created people who had freedom of choice yeah and the choice has always been from the get-go this you can choose self-will or as we just talked about for selfish will or my will and i think the hope of god all along was that we would forego self for selfish will and choose god's will so the intention all along was to have a people who would do God's will. Yes, Amen. Yeah, that sounds really good. So God, um, this, this reminds me of Gen uh, of Exodus nineteen. I think it's nineteen six, where God has a special chosen people that are that are holy, that are, that are yeah. His special possession. So there we have relationship. We have um, set apartness, holiness. Set holiness really has to do with being set apart for God. Uh, and, and then uh, I liked how you talked about um, agency in a sense, or free, freed will or free will people, people who Freedom of are choice, choosing yeah. him as opposed yeah. to choose not choosing not him um, yeah. as, as real options. Yeah. So he didn't, God didn't create robots. He created persons that have wills themselves yeah and and obviously he wants us to choose him 
but does yeah. he want us to, does he forcibly make us choose him? Yeah, I would, I would clearly say no. And this is, this gets to the heart of kind of right between say a Wesleyan Arminian and a, uh, our Calvinist friends. Um, I think this gets right to the heart of it and brings into that question. Does I just saw a Calvinist friend yesterday posting on Facebook saying, you know, God, um, God desires that all would be saved. Okay, that sounds like First Timothy two four. But does not will that all <laughs> would be saved. And yeah, that's yeah, interesting because it's the same verb, same verb, thelo. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, I think here Splitting we, ears. yeah, this is where we would, we would certainly uh, part ways with that sort of thinking, right? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that makes God me is conflicted. I mean, God is would be conflicted in Himself. He wants all people to be saved, but He which is weird doesn't for, will uh, it. Yeah, which is weird. Like if you're a Reformed friend, we're not trying to beat up on you or anything, and you're listening to this, but which is weird to me because most of my reformed friends, uh, you know, view God as um, uh, apathetic isn't the word, but what is the fancy theological word for that? That God doesn't uh, feel essentially, right? Um, is it immovable? Yeah, yeah. Unpathetic? Uh, yeah, there's a different word, immovable, certainly. But you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? That that God doesn't feel and he's not moved by our emotions that yeah, um, yeah. He, he's sort of a pathetic God in, in the sense that, or an apathetic God. In the yeah, sense apathetic. That he cannot, you know, feel, I can't think of the word for that. Um, sorry. There's a big fancy theological term, but. Um, yeah, we're walking around it, but I can't remember it either. Um, yeah. Apophatic. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, what is it? Um It'll maybe come come to you, uh, come to us. Yeah. So does he? But um, I think this this notion though that he's created us with a great capacity for good, but also a great capacity for evil. Yeah. Uh, lies at the heart of creation. That and the creation and the nature of his creation, which must be his will, that we we have free freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. We have freedom of will. He doesn't force us to do things. Now you could, I think people could think of examples, uh, you know, well, what about Pharaoh? Did he force Pharaoh to do something? And I think that's, that's not entirely true. Uh, right, Pharaoh hardened his own heart, yeah. hardened his heart. He was, he was not wanting to do or, or to comply with God. Um, now God eventually does harden his heart, but what's the mechanism for that? And what's the, what's the purpose of that? So yeah. it seems like God did so, but only after Pharaoh did it and yeah, God did so for, for a purpose. And that is to send out his people showing them the, the corruptness or the bankruptcy of the Egyptian deities, which, are being turned against the Egyptian people. Like each of the plagues has a, a, an Egyptian deity behind it. 
And right. God is basically showing him, showing everybody, his people especially, that he is Lord over all these other domains and deities mm, yeah. by turning them against the Egyptians themselves. But in order to get to allow that to happen, there was some supplemental hardening that was necessary. But yeah, the question after becomes Pharaoh hardened himself. That's my my view. But 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 did God cause the hardening? So God can harden the heart without being the the source of the hardening or the cause of the heart. I don't think he's the the cause of the hardening. The Hebrew might help us out there. I don't want to go down into the weeds with that, but um could it be so let, let's say Fred that like um I see something really good happening in your life. Oh, you Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have lots of good things going on. I, I see something great happening in your life and um, jealousy starts to like bubble up in me. Now, you have hardened my heart. Now, you weren't cause, you weren't the one causing it, but certainly you know, you, you played a role in hardening my heart there um, because you were the object upon which I was looking, right, or looking to. And so in that case, like, you aren't the cause, like, you aren't the causer of the hardening of my heart, but you're certainly still playing a role in that. I think when Pharaoh, he, he he's dealing with these plagues, he, he, he wants to be God, right? And he looks at this God repeatedly knowing that he he keeps surrendering. Okay, I relent, I, I repent God. He does this like 10 times, right? And he finally realizes he can't be God. He can't be greater than this God. He can't beat this God. And so I think in that sense, he's looking at this great God and this God is not the causer of the hardening of his heart. But that looking upon this perfect God is what causes his heart to be hardened. Mm -hmm. It's another way to think of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to get us into too, too much of the weeds, but, you know, he's Pharaoh is an example of someone that, we're, we're, yeah. you know, someone could say, well, God hardened his heart, you know, uh, but that, that is disputed. We could, we could talk about it. And is yeah. that, is that even the norm? And might there have been a, another purpose, a larger salvific purpose uh, at stake in, mm. in that case? By the word, uh, way, the word is impassable. That's uh, oh, the so impassable it, nature immutable, of God. Immutable yeah. and impassable. Yeah, the impassibility of God. So there you go. Yeah, that's oh. good. I, I thought I knew it, <laughs> knew it was likely going to come to your mind. Yeah. yeah so, so this freedom that God gives us, he doesn't force his will on us. He lets us go wayward. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Paul might be another example. I was just talking with my, my uh, in-laws about this, that, you know, isn't he an example of someone who didn't have a choice, you know, that he was chosen, you know, in a, in a rather dr dramatic way, you know, forced. Did he have a choice in, mm. in doing, doing the Lord's will in terms of proclaiming the gospel? And again, I, you know, I think he is a bit of an extreme case. This is not typically how the Lord does work. 
but he is such an important vessel in in the Lord's work. I, I suppose that he could have not done it, but but on the other hand, he did receive like a rather direct um, revelation, and and people are accountable to that. They're accountable to the the to the degree of the revelation that they're given them and yes. the kind of grace. And so Paul, he understood that. And he says, you know, I've received grace and I worked harder than, than all of them, all of the right. apostles. And I, I think he understood the indebtedness to what was given to him and, and worked very hard in, in that regard. So the Lord does give us grace we respond to that grace we can but we can also can we reject his grace yeah that's right and we're not often shown that but are there people in scripture that reject god's grace um yeah yeah that's <clears throat> yeah that's a great point yeah i mean maybe J jonah would be an example someone who doesn't seem to get it <laughs> even at the end he's you know yeah. he doesn't want to go preach the gospel where he should have right he wants to run in the opposite direction the lord's like no right. i need i need you to do this now we could think well god is forcing himself on jonah but i you know there's kind of an extreme situation going on here the salvation of a people group right and maybe it's for jonah's own good uh, but I guess we could say, well, why doesn't God do that for everybody? Why doesn't he pursue us all right. to that extent? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think yeah. that's a legitimate kind of question to ask. But we can say, I think, that he doesn't always do that, doesn't often do that. He does pursue us, but we need to respond to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, um, I don't know if you, you want to, to go here, uh, I, uh, last, uh, oh, so, uh, maybe a month or two ago, I had you come into a guest speaking thing, um, at, at the university I teach at, and we, we, we heard your presentation on Romans 12, one and two, which yeah. of course talks about the will of God. Um, I wonder if that might be, you know, an interesting uh, passage to consider because uh, you had found a number of uh, problems with the way that that's been uh, translated. But I think it's an interesting passage for for thinking about God's will. Do you you want to go there? You want to save that for a later episode? What are you? I would like to go there. Maybe a later episode. Yeah, um, right. yeah. Because there, that's a that's gets us into the weeds in terms of like the moral formative nature uh, of, of what God is after. Um, but, you know, well, I take, I take that back. I, I just want to say about this Pharaoh thing, if we, if we go to Exodus yeah. 5, 2, yeah. maybe we will go there, but I just want to stay with this, this Pharaoh thing just one more time. But just yeah. if you look at Exodus 5, 2, um, you know, so the Lord is preparing Moses to go talk to him in, in the first few chapters of Exodus. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, for example, um, when, w uh, you know, he says, you're going to go to Pharaoh, therefore come now and I'll send you to Pharaoh 
so that he may, uh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And he says, um, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Uh, and God says, this is in Exodus 10, uh, 3, 3, 10, 11, and 12. And God said back to him in verse 12, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. And that's, that's an amazing thing um, as, as well, that, that God's will will be known only after the fact and uh, so uh, as yeah. God is still talking with Moses, convincing him, like giving him a pep talk, what he's going to do. So in, in chapter four, Exodus four twenty one, the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Mm. Okay, so he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna do a bunch of different signs. Okay, multiple yeah. wonders and signs, but he won't let. Uh, but he's gonna harden his heart. But if we go to when Moses first uh, arrives and and talks to Pharaoh, you go to five one, we see right away that that Pharaoh never wanted to let the people go on his own volition. Right, right. So if you go to five one. And afterwards, Moses came and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. Verse two, but Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. <laughs> so it's clear that when the Lord hardens his heart, later after these different wonders and signs going on that really it was pharaoh's intention all along to not let them go right and the lord just fortified his will a bit um as these mm. events were were happening so and yeah and, yeah so i don't know if you have anything to say to no say that, that's yeah i think that's interesting to to think about that um it's 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 one of the most intriguing, I think, passages and, and stories in all of Scripture. This, what does this mean about you know God hardening hearts and yeah. um, the way you you put it about sort of uh, refortified or fortified more Pharaoh's selfish will, right? And that was that there, there. Yeah. yeah, there's something consequential to that, right? That if if we refuse to choose uh, God's will, which is what the intention was, that we would choose God's will. If we refuse that, then as scripture tells us, God in time will eventually hand us over to whatever our desire is. And that essentially becomes our God. It rules us. Okay, um, so that's a good setup. Yeah, that's a good setup to go to Romans, right? Did you were you intending <laughs> to allude to Romans one there? I, I, I wasn't, um, but that hands us over like right. a, to yeah. our own vices. Yeah, I mean that's what I was alluding to, but not just yeah. so we could go to Romans twelve. Okay, funny. but um, you want to get us to Romans twelve? But let's let's go ahead and take a break right now, and 
Michael's provided a nice segue to go to Romans. <laughs> we'll go to Romans 1, and then we'll go to Romans 12. So yeah. uh, listen, listen to this word from our sponsor, Glossa House. Looking for creative ways to launch your biblical language studies to the next level? We here at Glossa House create resources with you in mind. We've created a stock of innovative and cutting edge audio, video, digital, and print resources to help you reach your language goals. Visit glossahouse.com to find what you've been looking for. Glossa House, language resources for the global community. All right, welcome back uh, to this side of the break. We are discussing God's will, and uh, it's, it's been really fun. Um, we ended by thinking about uh, Romans. Well, we were, we were looking at Pharaoh and, and Exodus and, uh, you know, thinking about Romans. So um, I had alluded to Romans 1, where, where, um, where Paul speaks of, God handing us over to our desires, and so, Fred, let's go there. What are what are your well, uh, initial thoughts? Yeah, I think I think we're moving to talk about consequential God's consequential will will, and that is that He lets us go. Yeah. He's willing to let us go, even wayward, uh, to go wayward of Him. Um, I think He sends warnings at times, but there's also uh, consequences and he'll let us go. And he hands us over to our own devices and our own vices. You said something like that. Uh, he he yeah. hands us over. And that made me think right away of Romans one, mm-hmm. where when we exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, birds, four footed animals and crawling creatures, God gave us over to the lusts of our hearts. Okay? Yeah. This, is, this is Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 23, 24. I was kind of paraphrasing that and updating that for applicability to us. Like when we, when we exchange a proper understanding of God and, and a proper understanding of God's glory and worship the created world instead of the creator, we uh, move into idolatry and yeah. God actually lets us go. He hands us over. Yeah. I would call this, by the way, God's wrath. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, we, when we are handed over, that's what scripture means by God's wrath. He has stepped back, pulled away, handed us over. I, so I think if you, you see all the passages of God's wrath through that lens in the New Testament, it yeah. takes on a completely different understanding of what God's wrath is, right? Really, uh, it is just his absence, his, his pulling away, his stepping away. Mm. Um, can, I, can I take just a second and explain? Yeah, um, yeah. You, you may have a different perspective on this, but, and I kind of wish people could like see, but so imagine uh, you have, um, so here's, here's me on a continuum, right? I'm, I'm at one end. You have a string. I'm at one end of the string, and at the other end of the string is the consequence of my sin, right? Well, standing between me, so standing in the middle, so to speak, uh, between me and the consequence of my sin is God, 
And what he's doing for me as a believer is he's essentially holding that the consequences of my sin at bay. He's pushing them back so mm. that they're not they're not essentially like rushing headlong upon me, right? But there there comes a point when we've chosen sin so much that God will step back. That's his wrath. He removes himself. And now he's no longer standing in between me and that sin or the consequence of my sin. The consequence of my sin is what I would call God's judgment, right? Or just judgment. And so that judgment now is free because Christ, God is no longer standing there between me and it to rush headlong and just consume me, right? And so to me, that's, that's a really, I think, a helpful and easy way for folks to understand concepts like wrath, God's absence, God's uh, the judgment, which is a consequence of my sin. He's holding at bay. And that's an act of mercy that he's holding that at bay. So I think it helps depict mercy really well, too. But I think that's what's happening here is that we're seeing a, a people in Romans 1, 26, 7, and so on. Um, for whom God has stepped away and the consequence of their sin is going to rush headlong and, and they're consumed with it as their God. So that's what, what they're desiring essentially. Um, has God stepped away? I mean, I think, I, I think you said that unreflectively. I don't think God has stepped away. I think. I, no, we, it wasn't unreflectively. I think he. Purposely... We have stepped away from God. Oh, I don't for think sure. God is any, he's not any less present. He is, he is letting us go our own way we're, we're he's letting he's us walk us away from him he's ha he, he, handing us over i do yes. think god steps away uh, that's what his wrath is um hmm. yes yeah, so that no that wasn't unreflectively that was purposeful okay i, I would say that certainly that, that he's still present but he's certainly we taking a, a back certainly we we um initiate the stepping away but there comes yes. a point where we've walked so far away Yes. God hasn't hasn't walked away. But no. We've we've walked so far away that he says, "All right, I'll give you that. That's what you want. I'll give you that." And then he steps he steps away. Okay. That's, yeah, See, that's I don't think he steps away. I think he's like the loving father who waits, mm. lets us go. Um, now there are certain things, there are certain constraints that are in place. So I like your analogy of like me heading towards wrath. God is standing in the gap. I think God stands in the gap in different ways. He, he hmm. provides different, he set up the world in certain way that there are certain things that would help us or help prevent us or constrain us yeah. from, from facing the full consequences of yes. that wrath. Well, from, he tried, first he tries to dissuade us from the sin. Okay. So he reveals things. He'll send people situations, yeah. he'll send phone calls. I mean, I've been, I mean, this, it's amazing what's happened to me. Like when I am facing temptation, he'll send me a way out. Now, Paul yeah. actually says that, that God will provide a way out when we're tempted. Um, first Corinthians, yeah. uh, what is that? 10, is it first yeah, Corinthians so. 10, 18? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I mean, uh, no, it's 10. Uh, what is it? It's early in 10, right? It's earlier, 10. Oh yeah, ten thirteen. Of course, no temptation has taken you, but what is common to people. And God is faithful, who will not let you be tempted beyond which you are able, 
also to do with the temptation. Um, so in with the temptation, he'll provide a way of escape so that you will not, so that you'll sure. be able to endure it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to provide help. And I, I tell you in my own life, it's come in all kinds of forms if I'm willing to, Oh, uh, to listen to it. So I think God sets up the world uh, in a, there's a moral fabric, there's a communication and relational fabric, and he'll provide help for you. Yeah, I agree. We're on the same There's, page there. There are certain constraints. Um, I think conscience is one of them. But yeah, the Holy conscience Spirit. can be, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, let's, we, we can talk about them in proper order. You know, spirit being a main one, conscience. Yeah, uh, scripture. Relationship, um, scripture, revealed will. Church, you know. Um, people. Yeah. yeah. So these things are buffering us from the consequences of sin by yeah. warning us, forewarning us, helping us prevent it, stopping us when we're in the middle of it, or yeah. from really mm -hmm. getting hooked in, from experiencing that wrath. Yeah. But I think, but at some point he does let us go, but I don't yeah. think he's any less present. He's just he's these these means these constraints these ways are no are no longer i don't know how to put it they're no longer efficacious that is they don't work anymore and yeah. he freely lets us go he lets us go and hands yeah. hands us over yeah mm. yeah we yeah. could we could we could really it'd be a fun conversation to have about whether whether god uh is present or not and to what degree but we don't have to go there can we're looking mainly sure. at romans 126 and 7 maybe with the hopes of uh setting up for a future episode or in this episode of romans 12 yeah. um but so what are you seeing there at the, the beginning of romans in chapter one that that yeah pertains to what You're we're right. doing yeah, your idea, I wanted to circle back around to it, is that this is the wrath of God. Yeah, so the wrath of God is when we we face the consequences yes. of our right. actions. Yeah, and if you look at Romans 1.18, which gets this whole thing going, uh, it's the present tense. So I'm going to read it in the Greek, translating from the Greek. For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all yeah. ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. Yeah. Okay, that is amazing. So mm -hmm. this is present tense. God's wrath is being revealed. So yeah. a lot of times we think of God's wrath as future, as right. awaiting us. But quite frankly, this present life right now is a living hell for people. Yeah. It is living exactly. hell because we are we bear the consequences of our sinfulness yeah people and, confuse and god's others. wrath with god's anger too those are two different words in the greek by the way um his wrath and his anger aren't the same thing revelation is very clear about that it uses the terms but just just to piggyback on what you're saying Sorry yeah yeah so orge here orge is wrath that's the word being used here is orge and orge more construes the outward manifestation of that of what what is occurring whereas anger is path uh, is, is it path uh, pathos 
what is the word? I think it's. Um, um, I think it's yeah, sorry, I, I got us off on a tangent here. No, no, no. Yeah. Even even a lot of English translations confuse, confuse these. Humia, yeah. I think is what it is, right? Something like that. Um, um, thumos. Thumos. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm thinking pathos is is a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it's thumos. Thumos, of course. So thumos, that has that is more profi um, profiling or construing the inner yeah. um, indignation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So God's uh, wrath, that is the more outward manifestation, is being revealed against um, sinful humanity, ungodly and unrighteous humanity, which interestingly, when we're in that state, we suppress the truth. Yeah. Okay. That's, mm -hmm. that's amazing because, and I guess it's, it's simply because we want to hide. It's just a, it's just another garden maneuver on our part that when we sin, we want to hide and, and, right. and, and misery loves company and sinners love company. And guess what? To attract the company that helps us cope with ourselves to hide, we, we suppress the truth. Yeah. And, and by our own sinfulness we suppress the truth about god and about life and it's a bad situation to be in it's terrible and the only way that god can the, the way that god has chosen not the only way but the god has chosen to deal with that by letting us live that way that should and i think that should be obvious that this is not good yeah. like when we are hating people like when we do the kinds of things that are listed in romans one here um for example, uh, homosexual lusts and actions. That's that's a, a very serious one. That's a very serious consequence yeah. of living uh, apart from God's truth and then also suppressing God's truth. And we're seeing that right now. We're being forced yeah. to accept homosexual lifestyle as normative. Right. And it is not. It is not normative. It goes against creation. Yeah. It goes against even natural order. The, if we lived homosexual lives, we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't procreate. <laughs> so it's a dead end biologically. So I don't know why that is not even the starting point for our discussions. That, that, that's the thing. I mean, biology, right, is all but being biology. tossed out the window. Yeah, uh, science. It's all about science, except when it comes to that. Yeah. Very clear yeah. argument. You know, it's, um, it's crazy. Uh, you know, they're doing all this stuff on, they just flew a helicopter like in space and you know, they're all this like exploration on Mars and, you know, finding uh, bacteria on Mars. And what blows my mind, right, is that, that they can find a, a bacteria up in outer space and say that it's a sign of life, yet right. can't admit that a baby in the womb is life. Yeah. Like it's talk about suppressing the truth. the truth. Yeah. They're suppressing the truth in their unrighteousness. Yeah. Unju unjustness. Um, yeah. They can't acknowledge that they themselves were a baby once in, in the right. womb. Um, yeah. 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 So it's, 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 it's very grievous and sad. And, you know, I don't have anger for people who live this way it just we're trying to stand up for what's what's true you know so how do we have love and truth at the same time we can't have one without the other you really need both 
You can't yeah. be in denial about the nature of reality and, and, and whatnot. So the kinds of sinful actions and attitudes and dispositions and behaviors, which are found at the end of Romans 1, and you can read them, unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, envy, slander, yeah. murder, strife. I mean, these things are signals that something is wrong. Like this is not good for us. Right. It is not good for us to be disobedient to our parents. It's not good to be arrogant. Like when we see people acting this way, we know that there's something wrong, except now we're being gaslighted, right? We're yeah. being gaslighted by right. the culture saying, oh, everything's fine. You can do whatever you want. You can, you can, you can yeah. do these kinds. Of, it's okay to riot. You can do this. You can, you can murder certain people, other people you can't murder, uh, yeah. you'll be killed. And if I you're, mean, is, you're, you're crazy if you don't agree with us. Yeah, and you, in fact, we're going to silence you. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. You can't even speak. In fact, we're going to remove your this account and that account and whatever. And and it's a bad a bad state. So God's will here is is not being done, and yet we're allowed to exist. I mean, God doesn't immediately pull the plug on us. He lets us go away but it's, it's hurtful. It's a hurtful environment. It's a hurtful way to yeah. live. Mm -hmm. But this is experiencing God's wrath. Paul says God's wrath is yes. being revealed in these kinds of behavior, dispositions, attitudes. Now, yeah, is, there a yeah. is there a mercy in it? Is there a mercy in that? Well, there I guess, is. I mean, the the yeah, mercy is that we're allowed to exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're on borrowed time though, right? Yeah. <laughs> we are not our own. So while we're we are our own, at the same time, we're dependent. We're we're made, we are creatures. We have a creator to whom we should give utter worship and obedience yeah. and utter thankfulness. And these are what Paul mentions first, you know, that we should be thankful and worship the creator. So that so this, this is what I, I was referring to as the the created will. I think you were saying creational um, or the sustained will, right? These are things that God has set in motion or you know set in stone to use a phrase from the jump, right? That we are to worship the creator rather than the created, and the law essentially is. The law of that is when we don't, something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Right. When, when we do, things will go the way they should. Right. But but God has set the world up in such a way that when we trade God's truth for a lie, it's not going to go well. When we worship the creation rather than the creator, it's not going to go well. When we suppress the truth, it's not going to go well. There are going to be consequences. There's a consequential a consequential aspect to this yeah. is part of God's created will or sustained will. Um, yep. Yeah. Whatever mm -hmm. creational, whatever la uh, language that we're going to use there, but these are, are, have, have been set up and can't be touched to their innocence. They are immovable. They're, they're, they're the blueprint um, if you will of, of how we are supposed to live and move and have our being in this world. Yep, and I think uh, I think I'm I, I'm I want to caution us because I I think we're right on the precipice of 
if you do good, you'll be blessed. Uh, if you yeah. do evil, you will right. not be blessed. Right. And that's that's a that's a problem. In, in yeah, that that's not that's not what I mean. Uh, no, so, no, we don't mean yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's a good. It caution. could be heard that way, and yeah, this this yeah. is a Deuteronomistic understanding of like, if you're covenantally faithful, all will go well with you. Yeah, and if you're if you're not covenantally faithful, you will be cursed. See the 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 the, the fact is is that Jesus, in fact, promises us that we will be hated. That we will yeah, be disliked, yeah. that people are gonna not like you, will hate you, in fact, and curse and slander you and say false things against you on behalf of me and on behalf of justice. That's right. Yeah. So I mean things yeah. will go well as far as our relating or relationship with God, like our relating to a relationship with God. Things will go well for us in that regard if we are worshiping him and nothing else, if we are, you yeah. know, telling his truth rather than suppressing it, not meaning that like, we'll have a great comfy, cozy life. That's not yeah. what I mean by that. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is a complicating factor in it, right. As, as, as we're discerning, you know, what is right and good. We, we feel the pull of the world to do certain things, to be certain ways to get, and try to obtain certain goods, but at what cost? Um, yeah. And so we we need to balance that or understand that in light of God's moral formative will in us, but also his his the missional context of our living. And really, Jesus says these things about his disciples in the context of 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 uh, mission, of of mm-hmm. representing him on earth proclaiming the kingdom of God. And so there's, there's persecution that's promised us actually uh, in, in the, as we, as we proclaim the, the good sure. news of the kingdom, like we're going to be opposed, mm-hmm. going to be opposed. So I think, I think we'll, we should probably stop this podcast because, but we're, we're teeing up a, a couple different things to reflect on and, and further um, discussions. That is, the, the kind of the moral formative will of, of Romans 12, one, like what God is after in terms of the salvific uh, restoration of our conscience, I would say, of our minds, of our spirits to do good. But then at the same time, God's will in terms of mission and the different things that can result as we do God's mission in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Michael, do you have a parting shot for us? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I would reiterate just before we shut down here that sure. Um, what you know, as we're thinking about God's will, one thing to keep in mind is that um, it's it's multifaceted and complex rather than like flat and just simple, right? There's a lot of contour to God's will. And so as we're thinking about that, we, the healthiest thing we can do, I think, is to acknowledge that there are various aspects to God's will, however many aspects you think there are. I, I've kind of come up with, you know, or narrowed it down to this tripartite thing that we're yeah. talking about, but there, there are even sub 
subparts to those yeah that tripartite model but i i just want to urge anyone listening to you know to begin thinking of god's will as multi aspect multifaceted and not sort of just singular and flat right i um so that we can when we're, we're talking about any particular circumstance or reflecting on any particular circumstance perhaps we can see it through the various the various parts or lenses of god's will various aspects or maybe it really just belongs in in one of those categories and and getting it into the right category will will help us make the most sense of it does that make sense fred i do i do i, I do think um you know, like we talk about daily living and like basic consequences. I think of Proverbs, you know, like there's certain good, yeah. good things, you know, and I think part of that is the moral fabric of the world that God has set up. Um, so, I, and I do think it's good to, to have a big framework of, of his creative or creational will that we were talking about in terms of life, love, relationships, mm-hmm. free, freed will. Yeah. And, and, and call to like align with God's will. Yeah. It's good to have yeah. those bigger things in place, but then there's also kind of life is super complex. Yeah. Uh, and we have these situational wills, you know, as I'm tr- discerning, you know, should I take a job or should I focus on my studies only mm-hmm. and bearing consequences of working when I didn't like it. I, right. I think life is, is complex. And, um, but I, I, I do think that these categories are helpful and, and hopefully we can keep uh, unpacking these in the next, next episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that. So, yeah, yeah. I do have, um, as we, we come to a, a close here, um, this is from someone, Neil Cole. I don't know who that is, but I thought it was an interesting quote says, uh, Rarely do shepherds actually feed their sheep. Shepherds do not pull up the grass, shove it into the sheep's mouth, and force their jaws to move up and down. No, the shepherd leads the sheep to grass, and they feed themselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I like that. Um, Well, we thank you for listening and uh, journeying with us as we explore God's will. We're working these things out in real time and uh, discussing them in real time. So uh, you're, you're learning in a sense right along with us. We appreciate you listening, Fred. Thanks for your thoughts. Always a lot to learn there. We'll keep uh, chipping away at this and hopefully some enlightenment comes to you. If you have anything that you want to share with us, any thoughts, feel free to uh, reply on our social media or email us or whatever. We'd love to hear from you. But uh, for now, that does it for this episode. Fred, thanks. And, yeah, you're uh, welcome. And we'll, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Look forward to hearing, having you listen to us next time. Bye. Bye.